Welcome to Zebra's Popcast, short, inspiring, and informational segments pulled from our weekly furniture refinishing podcast, Zebra's Before and After. Today's podcast features a clip from Season 1, Episode 21. We spoke with Megan DeLong with Megdell Design on how she became successful in less than two years. We love hearing about the success of others and gleaning from their experiences. We might add that Megan continues to do quite well, and it's been a lot of fun seeing her growth continue. Before we tune into our conversation with Megan, we wanted to remind you that the third annual International Zebra Golden Brush Awards are here, and now is the time to go through all of your refinished pieces from 2021 and enter one piece in each of the 10 categories, as long as the pieces were refinished from January 1st, 2021 through December 31st, 2021. As a refresher, our categories are Artistic Close-Up, Clean and Classic, Dramatic Makeover, Farmhouse Style, mid-century modern, multi-color piece, new artist of 2021, repurposed piece, restored wood unpainted, and staging. Each entry will be reviewed by our seven-member international judging panel. They are Ashley Crew with Blue Wren Interiors of Australia, Chloe Kempster with Macy's House of the UK, Jen Talley with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture of the US, Katie Cloud with Katie and Company of the US, Katie Scott with Salvage by K. Scott of Canada, Lauren Schwachina with Portland Rose Studio of the U.S., and Sarah Bolton with Sitting Pretty Home Decor of the U.S. Entering the GBAs is easy. Simply go to enjoyzebra.com and click on the tab at the top that says Golden Brush Awards. There you'll find the rules, instructions, judges, general FAQs, and the entry form. We can't wait to see all of your beautiful pieces from 2021. Now to our interview with Megan. So you graduated from high school, then off to college, and how soon did you begin refinishing furniture after school? Yeah, so I actually, I went to school in U, at UW-Green Bay in Wisconsin, so I was a, a soccer player there, so I didn't necessarily wow. have as much time to do a lot of the creative aspects, but I went to school for business and kind of started making my way into that field, and truly, I just started working in offices, and from there, I was basically in a full-time desk job. So I definitely saw myself, you know, sitting behind a computer for 10 to 12 hours a day during that time. Mm. And that definitely takes a toll on you. And it was a pretty high stress environment most of the time. So I truly kind of found furniture refinishing as a creative outlet to that. So I was starting to feel like I was kind of losing who I was behind that desk and computer. And long story short, I kind of found a piece that I wanted to update. And when I started doing research, I found the glorious like refinishing world and how you <laughs> could just transform everything with paint. And so I, I basically took a class after I went into a store, um, actually, it's a stockist in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where they sell Annie Sloan chalk paint. So mm-hmm. I went in, I was ready to buy my paint. And I was like, if I can paint portraits, I can paint a piece of furniture, like that should be fine. And I basically talked to the owner And she was like, I have one spot left in my class tomorrow. You should come tomorrow morning and we'll teach you all you need to know. And so I was there at 8 a.m. and I had coffee in my hand and then a paintbrush in the other. And it was like I had found my home. (laughs) It felt Mm. so good. And so from then on, I basically just started painting everything I could get my hands on. So it was a great transition. (laughs) Yeah. So you were sold then after that first class. I mean, you uh, kind of locked in and started the process then. Yeah, it's funny because I I really found it as a way to kind of really stress and just kind of find that therapeutic um, hobby, if you will, after a long day. 
And then after I started, I couldn't stop. And I was just like, what am I doing? Why am I, why am I behind <laughs> this computer? Like, and it's funny because when I did decide to leave my job, I went to work for that, that stockist. So at Time for Decor, and I still help do work for them now. So I would find myself painting during the day and helping do custom work for their clientele. And then I also would come home and paint some more in the garage. So my husband was like, are you going out there again tonight? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> and so I think it was, it definitely was a, a good way to ensure that I was passionate about it when I was basically painting night and day and I never got sick of it. I was like, yep, this feels right. <laughs> Oh, what a great story. It's uh, it's always fun to find out how people got into furniture finishing, what inspired them, and, and uh, how they got their, their beginnings in it. So let, let me ask you this question with respect to refinishing. What part of refinishing gets you really excited? Honestly, it is, it's truly the painting portion. Like, I, I feel like as soon as that first couple strokes of, of paint and the color you choose go down, it's like that transformation and in your head and what you can see, it just starts to blossom. And it's so, I think for myself, that's like the most rewarding part is truly seeing the transformation. So that very first step after you put so much time in prepping it is really, mm -hmm. really exciting. Where do you find your inspiration primarily from? So you, let's just say you get a, a new piece in, whether it's a commission piece or something you've found, well, I suppose if it's a commission piece, you're probably going to have a specific direction from a client. But if it's something that you're going to just buy and resell, like, how do you know what to do with it? I mean, is it pretty, does yeah. it come to you pretty quickly? I think that there's certain pieces that you instantly have a vision for. And it's like, it's calling a certain color or a certain update. But then there's definitely been other times where I feel like I'm so unsure that I'll just start looking through inspiration. And that's where I think that the community of refinishers is just phenomenal because there's so much inspiration to choose from and you see people using different paints and different colors. So all of that can be an inspiration in and of itself. But I think a lot of times throughout my creative process, it tends to be like, you know, you do a couple white pieces, maybe for a custom, and then it's like, you're just itching for a little bit of color. So it's kind of like finding that balance between, you know, something that's really sleek and then wanting to do mm -hmm. a really chippy piece. So sometimes I feel like the order of which you're doing certain styles can kind of dictate, at least for myself, what I want to do next and on a piece that I get. Where's the primary place that you locate your pieces to refinish? Yeah, I tend to search all over. Morgantown is definitely not the biggest city. Um, so I definitely have to search a little bit. So whether it be I try and go to my local restore, our Salvation Army, and then our Goodwills, but I'll also look on Craigslist and, and Marketplace for some of those mm -hmm. items too. So kind of a hodgepodge wherever I can find the, the pieces I'm looking for really. <laughs> you always basically have your eyes open and looking for the next great piece. <laughs> yes. Eyes are always peeled even when the garage is full and my husband, bless his heart, he, I, even if I find something after I have no space, I'm like, I have to stock up while I can, while I can find it. You know, there is a logic. It's winter's coming, you know, so it's always, it's always a hunt for sure. You guys are like squirrels trying to accumulate what <laughs> yeah. you can in preparation for winter. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, the class, the first class that you took, and you mentioned Annie Sloan paint. Do you primarily use Annie Sloan or do you step outside of that uh, particular brand? Yeah, I definitely started my painting journey with Annie Sloan and I think it's a phenomenal paint, truly like for layering. And I love the different accent waxes. 
Um, but I've definitely tried to step outside of that, especially this year. My goal was to try new products and I've been really drawn to milk paint recently. And, um, Kristen, who is on the podcast for her Chateau Interiors milk paint line, I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed using that for chippy finishes and just some of that authentic, um, that look that you get with milk paint that you can't really replicate. I love that. And then I've also been using quite a bit of fusion mineral paint because I do have a stockist nearby as well. And they have wonderful selection of colors and the coverage is fantastic. And then with all of them, they're basically all low to no VOC. So I always feel really good about using a mixture of all of those different paints. So I'm excited to try more in the future. There's so many out there. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting isn't it, to explore different types of paint. I know you mentioned uh, Christian with Chateau Interiors. I mean, I, honestly, I've, it's um, she does such a great job with her paints because we constantly see folks talking about how easy it is to apply it, how good it is to work with it. And everybody's just really pleased with, uh, with the results. Yeah, completely agree. And especially when you try a new product for the first time, especially knowing that milk paint can can kind of have a mind of its own. It's really exciting when it does turn out and it is so easy to use because I think sometimes initially thinking about using it for the first time can be pretty intimidating. So do you ship your um, your pieces? No, at this point, I basically sell locally. So I refinish pieces to sell locally through um, a multitude of different marketplaces. But yeah, it might be something I'll look forward to in the future if I um, can't necessarily keep up with the local market here, but so far so good. Oh, that's great. Well, like you said, you always have that option in the future to expand your customer base. So that's, that's always an opportunity for you. Hi, my name is Eliana with Why Not Redesign and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. Why do I use Zebra brushes? Well, they are extremely smooth and have 25% more filaments in each brush which provides me with maximum pickup and release of paint. They also have a great variety of them. For example, I use the round because of its simple design and great coverage, but it's so much easier to get into rounded surfaces with it. The square is perfect for cutting into drawer sides and insets, and the Palm Pro fits so comfortably in the palm of my hand, which gives me more control for easier painting. They are also affordable and very accessible. You can find them at big box stores and at craft stores alike. So to me, zebra brushes are made for my hands and not the other way around, and that's why I love them. Thanks, Eliana. We appreciate you taking the time to share about your experiences with zebra paintbrushes. Well, so I know a lot of folks are saying, how did she achieve this level of success in such a short amount of time? Megan, let's transition into some feedback, advice, encouragement, recommendations to other refinishers or refinishers-to-be who want to know some of your secrets. So how do you become a successful furniture painter in under two years? First and foremost, I just want to thank you for even having me on because I I feel like it's like a pinch me moment (laughs) because (laughs) I'm, I'm so honored just knowing how many amazing refinishers there are out there. So I feel like within the last two years, I've definitely learned so much. So I really hope that some of this helps someone who may have found themselves in the position that I was just not that long ago. But I have about three tips that I think are really important when I look back on the last year, especially that helped my business grow. And the first one is that you can't be afraid to start. And I know that sounds simple, but everyone has to start somewhere. And even if it's just a couple pieces that you have in your home that you don't love anymore or finding 
$5 flips that you can grab at a yard sale. You learn so much by just practicing and playing around with the paint and kind of figuring out what your style is and what techniques you like. So I would say don't be afraid to start because it's always amazing to look back a year, two years later and, and really see how far you've come, even though it may not feel like it. I remember not necessarily feeling very confident in myself when I first started, even just my Instagram account. And I just remember thinking, if I wait until I feel like it's perfect, I'm never going to do it. So I just right. would encourage anyone to, you know, put yourself out there. There's a great community that's going to support you and you're going to learn so much in that process by just letting yourself begin. Yeah. That's excellent. Thanks. And then the second one, and probably the thing that I focused on the most this year was truly, it's kind of a cliche, but it, it really does hold weight in that quality over quantity. Um, I know this year I really tried to focus on finding quality pieces that I felt fit my style or the pieces that I really wanted to be um basically tackling as projects. And so I also really focused on taking my time with refinishing each and every one. Um, because sometimes it's really difficult when you're first starting out to see how many pieces some flippers or furniture refinishers mm -hmm. are putting out each week. They're so efficient. But I think when you can really step back and take your time and, and realize that those are kind of some pressures and some different um, timeframes you're putting on yourself. You know, if you just focus on doing all of the steps right, and making that progression, you're going to find yourself coming out with a really beautiful piece that's done well and is going to last a long time. And then I think in addition to that, really also focusing on the quality of taking your time staging and then also photographing and editing your photos. It's almost like, you know, and I think Fallon does a great job talking about this from Market House Restorations that it really is your virtual storefront. So when you put in so much work to refinish a piece to the standard that you are, you know, if you can't take your time to get a nice photo, it's almost like you don't do that enough justice. And so I think if you can really take a step back and let yourself have patience and even if that means restaging something two or three times or taking photos of it again like that's okay you're going to mm -hmm. you know find that your work is is shown at its best when you take your time. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head too about the quantity because I think that's probably pressure that everybody puts on themselves. And especially when you see, as you said, so many other refinishers just pumping out work. I mean, just tons. But the thing is, and the key is quantity will develop, you know, over time as you learn and as you become more efficient. So it just probably happens with the natural flow. But I, I love that tip because if you're focused on quantity, then you're probably not going to enjoy the process and you're going to get right. really stressed out. So that's really yeah, good. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, if you're able to really enjoy that full piece and it almost feels like I've, you know, I've had pieces where I've really, I thought I did a really great job painting and I've gotten almost like, okay, now I have to post it. I'm so excited to get it out there and, and <laughs> now try and sell this piece. But I remember taking, I don't even know how many hundreds of photos you know, on my phone. And I was like looking through a closet with too many clothes and not having anything to wear. I was like, wow, I don't like any of these. And so by taking an extra day or two to just restage it when there was better lighting, it was like that piece then really felt like it was like, yes, it feels complete and I was proud of it. So I think that that goes a long way. And then the last piece of advice I would give is to not be afraid to invest in yourself and your business. And I think sometimes when you hear investment, people initially think, oh, you have to invest money. 
And that's not always the case. I think especially with a creative business, a little goes a really long way, even just giving yourself time, whether it be like 15 to 30 minutes at night, you know, whether it be painting something or even just researching a new technique or a new product that you want to learn how it is to be used and how you can kind of perfect that technique. Um, I would say that I did make a few investments in my business that I am very, very excited that I did because I do think it helped move the needle. Um, one of those was Crystal from the Driftwood Home, her refinisher's guide. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was Fallon's um, staging guide from Market House Restorations. And I think both of those individuals were two artists that I looked up to a lot, especially starting before I even had an Instagram, you know? And, and so when you have someone who has been doing this and been doing it very successfully, putting tips and tricks and what they've learned along the way in front of you. It's like, it was a no brainer for me. I was like, okay, I cannot get coffee a couple times because that's a great investment. They're like 15 to $30. And it really just gave me a ton of extra insight as well as just inspiration along how to, I guess, improve my craft. So I think that those investments really made a difference and kind of helped move the needle in my business. So I hope that that helps someone else. Thanks for listening to the Zebra Podcast. We are working on season four of Zebra's Before and After Podcast now and can't wait to release episodes soon. Stay tuned. Until next time, happy refinishing.